This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about the infilled monster. That's correct, the infilled monster. Now, this definitely reaches levels of high strangeness. It's a story about a cryptid sighting back in 1973 in Infield, Illinois, pronounced E-N-F-I-E-L-D. The article comes to us from UFOinsight.com, dated May 2nd, 2021. Title says, An Alien, a Demonic Entity, or, or a Horrific Beast, the Infield Monster Incident. This is one of these things where we're just not quite sure what this thing is. Um, Definitely falls under the cryptid category, I believe. It says the events of the 25th of April, 1973, in Enfield, Illinois, are still the subject of investigation and fascination today, almost a half a century after they occurred. Multiple residents witnessed a strange, beast-like creature in and around the community, one that was monstrous to look at and seemingly possessed an ability to move with agility and as well as leap remarkable distances. Has an illustration of this thing here, what the guy thought he saw. Looks like something out of a horror movie. I'll put the link at the Buy Me a Coffee website, uh, like I normally do. And of course, as always, shout out to the folks that support the program through there and also through Spotify. It says, was this strange creature a strange Bigfoot type beast or might it have been a previously unseen and unknown animal that had long called the region home? Or might it have been an extraterrestrial or entity from another dimension? The truth is, all these decades later, researchers and investigators are no, clo- are no closer to solving the mystery of the infill monster. However, it still continues to fascinate people with an interest in such matters today. The incident is perhaps one of the best documented encounters with an apparent cryptid creature of some kind. And as we shall see, another case that appears at first to be an isolated run of sightings, but just might share connections with other seemingly isolated cases involving very similar creatures. You know, I have to, when I look at these cases like this infill monster, or even a lot of these Bigfoot sightings, they seem more and more to me to be some sort of an interdimensional entity crossing over because the way they, the way they, they just appear out of nowhere, frequently disappear to nowhere and seem to be impervious to gunshots or other, other means of, of, uh, attack. It says most retellings of the account began on the evening of the 25th of April 1973 at around 9 p.m. when 10-year-old Greg Garrett was in his backyard watching the stars overhead. Every now and then he would make an attempt to catch one of the fireflies darting about him. It was as he was doing this in fact when the evening took a drastic and strange turn. There in front of him was what he would later describe to his parents as a monster approximately four to five feet tall with slimy gray skin and glowing red eyes. What's more, this strange beast had three legs as well as tiny arms with sharp razor-like claws. The monstrous creature stepped toward Greg, one of its legs even making contact with the young boy's foot and tearing his tennis shoe. It was then when Greg turned and ran in terror toward the house. Now you can imagine this 
10-year-old kid sees a three-legged monster with razor-sharp claws on his front legs. It almost looks like some sort of deformed uh, T-Rex from this illustration. He burst through the front door, immediately informing his parents of what, had just, what he'd just seen. Concerned but uncertain of what they should make of their son's claims, he wasn't known to invent such wild stories, the Garrett's called the police. Officers arrived a short time later and conducted a thorough search around the property. However, they could find nothing there and no clues to suggest that anything had been there. Unbeknown to the Garrett's, their neighbors, the McDaniels, had returned home to similar claims of a monster-like beast around 30 minutes after Craig's encounter, around 9.30 p.m. According to Henry McDaniel, their two children claimed a thing had tried to enter the house, once through the front door and another time through the window-mounted air conditioner. What's more is the two excited and frightened children were telling their parents of the attempted entry, Henry heard a strange scratching coming from the front door. So now we have two reports by two different, by three different children actually, two different locations, two different times, saying the same thing. This bizarre three-legged, three-legged lizard-type monster with gray skin and razor-sharp claws on its front appendages. It says, still listening to his children, although seemingly not making the connection that the scratching could be a result of the beast they were describing, Henry went to the front door to open it. Upon doing so, he found himself face-to-face -face with the creature his children told of. After bringing himself to his senses, he slammed the door shut and stepped away from it. He immediately reached for his twenty-two pistol and grabbed a flashlight. He made his way to the back door, anticipating the beast would seek another point of entry into their home. But when he opened the door, the creature was indeed there in front of him. Without wasting any time, he opened fire on the creature. However, much to his horror, the bullets appeared ineffective. Even though he was almost certain he had hit the beast, he would state that it hissed like a wildcat before retreating away into the distance. He would further state it moved with a, quote, hopping motion, three of which covered an approximate 75 feet. Now, it's got a picture of this old house here from 1973. Pretty modest place. You know, they seem like working class people. I can't imagine why they would just make up the story. Secondly, the guy fired on the same point blank with his handgun. Now, admittedly, a 22 caliber is a small caliber handgun, but still quite effective enough to kill a person or, you know, even a large animal. So the, the fact that he shot into this thing was point blank and all it did was hiss. Boy, I find that very strange. But that's the sort of story that we hear over and over again when people fire on these cryptids. He would later describe the terrifying creature as having three legs and a short body with two little short arms. Furthermore, it had two pink eyes as big as flashlights and had a grayish colored skin. He would also state that it was around four and a half feet tall. Like the Garretts, Henry would immediately telephone the local police. He would, though, he would, though, state that he had just had an encounter with a monster from outer space. Well, you know, you have to understand this is this is his paradigm. I mean, this is not that long after the moon landings. This guy is looking at the situation and saying, wow, something this odd must have came from outer space. Well, I mean, what else would he think? A short time later, the Illinois State Troopers arrived at the McDaniels home. They would immediately go about searching the area around the house. This time, unlike the police search of the Garrett property, the state troopers would discover several strange footprints. They were similar to that of a dog's, only they had six toe pads instead of four. What's more, the layout of the footprints appeared to suggest whatever had made it had three legs.
Now, that's weird. He says it hopped, but you got to wonder, man, how would that third leg come into play? Further research, further searches of the house itself did indeed reveal several strange scratch marks. However, despite the evidence seemingly corroborating the McDaniels' version of events, there was little the state troopers could do, with some even appearing skeptical. Things would settle down for a little over a week, with no further investigations or sightings of the strange beasts. That, though, was about to change. It says, on the early hours of the 6th of May, first one happened in April, this is May 6th, at around 3 a.m., the residents of the McDaniel household were about to experience another unnerving encounter. Henry was awoken first by the rampant barking of the neighbor's dogs. Sensing something was wrong, he quickly got out of bed, reached for his gun, and made his way to the front door. He opened it and once more saw the beastly creature he had witnessed several days earlier. This time it was further away, casually moving along the railroad tracks that ran past the property. Henry watched it for several minutes, deciding against any action given the bullets had seemingly had little effect last time. After a short while, the creature showed the same speedy, hopping ability and disappeared into the distance. Several more days followed without any further sightings of the apparent monster. However, during this time, news of the incidents quickly spread around the community and ultimately much further, so much so that people began to arrive in town with hopes of seeing the strange creature for themselves. What's more, many news reporters and even scientists eager to study a potentially unknown creature also made the journey to Enfield. You know, this is back in 1973, long before the internet happened, so people actually had to go where, go places to learn things. In fact, such was the attention and subsequent temporary increased population of the town that the sheriff of White County even threatened to arrest Henry if he continued to speak of such incidents. And well, here you go. You've got this experiencer. His whole family actually were experiencers. What eyewitnesses to this strange monster of a creature. He talks about it. That's a natural thing to do. And it looks like the sheriff there went on some kind of a power trip and threatened to arrest the guy. Several arrests were actually made, although these were of hunters of the beast who had opened fire on what they thought was the creature and were consequently charged with being a threat to public safety. It quickly became apparent to local law enforcement that the attention of so many people in the town was as much of a safety issue as the apparent monster might be. This is an interesting point to note as several other cases of strange paranormal activity have ultimately been washed away as a hoax or left uninvestigated by authorities due to the attention such events bring. For example, the bizarre goings-on during the Bridgeport, Bridgeport Poltergeist case, authorities declared it as a hoax due to the increased crowds outside the property. We might also recall the strange events known as the Mad Gasser of Mantoon, of Mattoon, where the increased attention on the town fo forced them to distance themselves from the case. In each of those cases, then, it was the rampant attention and focus of so many people that became a concern to the authorities. This certainly appeared to be the case in Enfield. Honestly, I think sometimes these guys just get used to doing a job that doesn't take that much effort, and then when something out of the ordinary like this happens, and you got a bunch of people coming into town, uh, they don't like to deal with the extra work. And because these individuals are lazy by nature, the easiest thing to do is just start arresting people. Now, some of these guys that were running around out in the timber, firing guns off willy-nilly, yeah, probably should not be doing that. But you get a very uh, clear picture of the dichotomy of here, how we approach this thing. 
One side says, wow, this is really bizarre. Let's talk about what happened. The other side says, no, let's start arresting people. Let's not talk about what happened. It says, there were, though, sightings of the strange beast from these visitors that didn't result in arrest, one of which is perhaps the last sighting of the beast, that of WWKI Radio News Director Rick Rainbow. He would claim to have witnessed the monstrous creature a short distance away from the McDaniel home near an abandoned property. He would describe the creature as gray and ape-like in its posture and approximately five feet tall. Reports also suggest that Rainbow even managed to record the strange and chilling screams of the creature on audio tape. However, this recording has not been made available to the public, although several researchers and investigators at the time claimed to have heard the recording. There you go. They start to get some really powerful evidence, and the first thing that happens is the evidence is contained. It seems like controlled. The chilling screams and shrieks were heard by many people in the town over the following nights. Then they suddenly stopped. The creature, it seemed, whatever it was, had vanished as immediately as it arrived. Of course, what it was, where it came from, or indeed where it went, was and still is a complete mystery. Then it goes on, it says, the following year, the, the, the year following the incidents, rather, one of the investigators in the area during that time was Lauren Coleman. He would write in the July edition of Fate magazine an article titled Swamp Slobs Invade Illinois of some of his findings of the sightings. He had, for example, heard the recordings made by Rainbow for herself. In the article, Coleman would write that the strange creatures, whatever they were, were so far beyond our understanding that it's no wonder stories about them excite Inc. However, the fact that so many sightings of the strange, abominable swamp slobs, boy, what a mouthful, were reported throughout the entire southern Illinois area, combined with the obvious sincerity of many of those who made such reports, very much suggested at least the possibility that something awfully strange is going on in the backwaters of America. Coleman would then relay the account of just such a sighting of the strange creature in the Murfreesboro region of the state. The first such sighting occurred on June 25th, a little after midnight. While parking on a boat ramp near the Big Muddy River, Randy Needham and Judy Johnson heard a bizarre and unnerving shriek ring out. A cry they would describe as about three times as loud as a bobcat, only deeper. Now, if you've ever heard a bobcat scream, they're really something. So I can imagine what this thing was. However, before they could contemplate the cry much more, they suddenly noticed a strange upright creature bounding toward them. They watched for a moment or two as a seven-foot, white-haired creature got to around 20 feet from them before they brought the car to life and made their way from the scene. They would head straight to the police station and report the incident. Two police officers would attend the scene of the sighting and did indeed discover strange, large footprints in the mud. They would note how the footprints were erratic and that no two were the same distance apart. As a note of speculation, might these footprints suggest a creature might have had three legs as opposed to two, as an infield creature appeared to have? Well, or maybe they're, maybe these things aren't using the normal locomotion of walking. Maybe these things are levitating somehow. I don't know. One of the officers, Mary Lindsley, agreed to retrieve a camera so they could photograph the impressions. The other, Jimmy Nash, went with Randy and Judy to follow the footprints. To follow the footprints, it was as they were doing so that the most incredible shriek they had ever heard rang out. They quickly realized the strange beast-like creature was only about a hundred yards away, hidden in the woodlands. They quickly backed away from the area and returned to the police car. 
Incidentally, later that night, police officers would attempt to locate the reason behind a strange splashing sound in the area, thinking it must be linked to the strange sighting. However, they were unable to uncover the source of the noise. The following night, though, the creature would return again, this time at a little after 10 p.m. The witness on this occasion was four-year-old Christian Beryl, who would rush to his parents, claiming that he had seen a big white ghost in the yard. They would insist that he must be mistaken and dismissed his claims. However, around 10.30 p.m., a similar sighting came to the light from the next-door neighbors, Randy Creeth and Cheryl Ray. It was as Randy and Cheryl were sitting on their back porch that they suddenly noticed something moving in the trees near their property. Cheryl would even later claim to have seen glowing pink eyes watching them. And what's more, the glow was not a result of any kind of reflection. Instead, they were glowing from their own accord. That aside, the description the pair gave of the creature was almost identical to that witnessed the previous evening. After several moments, whatever it was, the creature retreated into the woodland and disappeared. As it made its way from the pair, it continued to shriek wildly. The police were called and arrived a short time later to investigate the scene. Like the previous evening, they found evidence of the creature's presence. This time, as well as several footprints, they also discovered crushed vegetation where the creature had obviously forced its way through. They would decide to attempt to follow the trail. Officer Nash was again one of the officers who responded to the call. With him was Officer Ronald Manwarn. After discovering the makeshift pathway, according to their police report, Officer Jerry Nellis was asked to the scene to see if the dog would track the creature. Upon reaching the scene, the German Shepherd did indeed begin tracking the creature, leading the officers along what appeared to be its track. Nash noticed that every now and then a strange slime was visible along the route. According to the report, Officer Nellis picked up some of the slime to examine it. When he rubbed it between his fingers, it left a black collaring behind. Furthermore, the officers noticed that the dog would hesitate slightly before passing each of these traces of slime. Well, this is also something that we've heard, you know, about these things. Uh, that they have, you know, certainly these entities have this either as a sulfur smell or they've got some sort of residue coming off them or the slime. Now, they got a picture here in, in the article. It looks to me like a Bigfoot that somebody has, it's an artist rendering, it says, of what somebody perceived this thing is. So you basically, you have two different perceptions of this. One is this kind of uh, reptilian type creature, four and a half, five foot tall, uh, gray collar skin, three-legged, and the arms are short arms, almost like a T-Rex with very razor-sharp claws coming off them, sharp enough, in fact, that they left uh, visible marks on the inside of of the one house where the the guy opened the door up. And the second monster that seems like it showed up about the same time was more what we think of as a Bigfoot monster, you know, seven-foot-tall, hairy-looking creature, dripping slime off of it, but both of them making these very strange... uh, screaming sound. They described it as the sound of a bobcat screaming. Now, if you've ever heard a bobcat, a lot of people will describe that as a as a woman screaming bloody murder. They have it is a very haunting sound if you ever hear one of these things. And as one couple said, it was three times as bad as that. So that's that's something. Now it says the article goes on and says ultimately the dog would lead the officers to a heavily wooded area near a small pond. The area, though, was much too thick to negotiate. Nellis returned the police dog to the car temporarily while they searched the vegetation a little closer. Finding nothing, Nellis retrieved the police dog once more and then proceeded to search the region a little further, mainly to the south of the small pond. 
they would ultimately find themselves near an abandoned barn and decide to send the police dog inside. However, within moments of the highly trained canine entering the abandoned building, it immediately ran out. Officer Nellos was dumbstruck as to such behavior, given it was specifically trained to search buildings. When he and Nash searched the barn themselves, they discovered nothing of interest inside. They would suspend the search a short time later. According to the Fate Magazine article, there were several further sightings over the following weeks. For example, several carnival workers claimed they saw the strange creature seemingly watching their Shetland ponies during the 4th of July celebrations. Now, if you're younger, you may not remember how common it was back in the 70s and even 80s for these uh, car traveling carnivals to come around town. And, of course, they all had pony rides. And so you can just imagine these carnival workers there, usually a, a pretty a pretty uh, rough and tumble crowd uh, sleeping there at night with their ponies, these little, you know, short, stocky Shetland ponies, who can, I can tell you, by the way, be quite tough. And this thing is stalking them. It sized them up for lunch, no doubt. Several nights later, a local woman heard a sudden piercing scream that appeared to come from one of the outbuildings on her farm. When the authorities were pressed for comment on the strange reports and sightings, according to Coleman's article, they had to admit they didn't know. According to police chief Toby Berber, they didn't know what the creature was, but we do believe, he says, but we do believe what these people saw was real. He would go on to state that these are good, honest people and that they aren't seeing something. In the same article, Coleman goes on to note that another very similar sighting occurred several months later on the evening of the 16th of October in the small town of St. Joseph. On the night in question, four teenagers were driving their car when they believed they spotted a campfire near an upcoming bridge and pulled over to investigate. Upon leaving the vehicle, one of the boys struck a match to see better. However, the light revealed to them that they were only a short distance away from a five-foot-tall, gorilla-like creature. They immediately got back inside the vehicle and sped away. One of the teenagers, Bill Duncan, was later quoted in the Champaign-Urbana Courier as saying, quote, I wondered if I was nuts or something. When he first contemplated what he was seeing, whatever it was, the four teenagers knew they had seen something truly strange. Now, I find it interesting that these young guys, what they saw was about the same size as what was first spotted, about five foot tall. But they didn't describe it as being uh, lizard-like or you know three-legged dinosaur-type creature. They described it as gorilla-like, almost like we would think of as a possible Bigfoot sighting. And they didn't say seven foot tall either. That said five foot. It's almost like whatever this thing is, it could be it could be multiple creatures, but it almost seems like whatever it is, it's some kind of shapeshifter. Seems lost. Seems disoriented. It kind of takes, takes me back to that notion that maybe these things are some sort of uh, creature from wherever they come from. They're being taken here and dumped, you know, rehomed, I guess you could say, whether they were a criminal, you know, or an outcast or whatever, it's almost like they're being brought to Earth and Earth is some sort of prison planet where they just dump these things off at. That's what it seems like sometimes. And then somehow after after they're here for a while, they're able to blend in. I don't know, but it's very weird. It says, might there have been a connection to the sightings of the infilled monster only weeks earlier? Admittedly, some of the descriptions of the creatures are decidedly different. Might there be then a connection to be found in the location itself, perhaps one that is home to all manner of strange beasts and creatures? One thing that Coleman asked in the article is what was the mysterious light that the boys took to be a campfire? This and some potential explanations for it, indeed the connections 
to these strange creatures is something we will come back to verify shortly, it says. And then it's got a video here you can watch. And then below it, it says, the article goes on, it says, 1978 investigation of the infill, of the infilled monster case. So this would be five years later. It says, before we examine some further similar cases to the infilled monster sightings, we might do well to quickly examine an investigation carried out in 1978 conducted by several researchers. Some of their findings are certainly interesting. They managed to only find three of the witnesses who claimed they had actually seen the creature for themselves. This despite the many sightings on record. Even those three people would claim that their accounts were largely blown up or out of proportion by the media, as well as by local gossip. It appeared to the investigators that many of the reports in retrospect were claims that snowballed around the local community with each telling. There, were also, there was also the concern that there were very few pictures taken of the footprints, the scratches, or even Greg's tennis shoes that the beast allegedly tore. And while hysteria and fear might account for this, in certain arms those with the skeptic it certainly arms those with a skeptical view of the apparent incidents well you know when the sheriff's going around arresting people uh they're out investigating it accusing them at least even if they were or they weren't i don't know but saying hey they're discharging their firearms tonight he's arresting those people if he's a threatening to arrest the first guy that reported the sighting and people might very well have been intimidated by it and five years later wasn't that far away uh, if people just may have been too afraid to talk about it. He says, There are also those who believe the sightings, at least the initial ones, might have, been, might have contained certain elements of truth, but were then exaggerated in order to attract enthusiasts and essentially tourists. Well, what good is it going to do for a 10-year-old kid to attract a tourist? We might also note if this was the case, it wasn't a view shared by the police chief who threatened to arrest Henry McDaniel if he continued to speak of the creature of Enfield. However, perhaps the main detail of the investigation that certainly lent a note of credibility to the case were the sightings of the two neighbors who, as we might recall, gave statements describing the exact same creature without knowing of the other's encounter. I don't know. I'm not sure what more you need after that. You've got two people that are neighbors, haven't talked to each other, both in the same geographical location. This is 1973, no cell phones to call back and forth on. And they're both telling police... They saw the same thing. They're giving independently verifying each other's story. That's pretty powerful. It says, It is also perhaps worth noting that the sightings of the creature of Enfield have not been reported since. We might suspect if a hoax based on wanting to attract tourism was behind the majority of the sightings that some further orchestrated incidents might have taken place. Yeah, that seems to be a, seems to be a debunker thing that gets thrown out there a lot. Uh, when something like this happens, it, not so much anymore because people travel so much, but back in the 70s and even 80s and you know before then, if something like this were to happen, yeah, you might have a newspaper or a local business try to exploit it. I mean, even today they have these uh, festivals and stuff. But honestly, you have to look at the timeline of events. You had these independent sightings. They were reported right away they were independently reported seeing the same thing independently reported seeing the same thing and then you had recurrent sightings after that and then they just disappeared so whatever this thing was it seems like it just showed up here it seems like it was disoriented distressed uh i don't know if it was looking for shelter or what it was doing it's kind of a really kind of a disturbing scenario to think that this thing was some sort of entity that was lost and what would be for it its own living hell is just wandering around here in this geographical area trying to make contact with somebody 
but being of such a uh, frightening appearance that nobody wanted anything to do with it. And that is definitely a strange case of the infield uh, monster that occurred there back on April and actually into May of 1973 in Enfield, Illinois. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.